This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I am each week with Bazooka Joe Valtellini, who celebrated his birthday this week and launched a brand new website and, uh, and I guess, uh, service, mm. subscription service for working out. Uh, I'm going to yeah. give you the floor right off the top, Joe, because uh, I want you to tell uh, our audience about this. It's a very exciting, exciting time for you, and uh, happy 36th birthday. 36th birthday. Yeah, it, was, it actually was. Uh, it was a tough year to celebrate with the COVID stuff and a tough year. It was. Uh, it was a tough year to to be happy. You know, they're like all of a sudden it's your birthday and you're expected to be excited and happy. But it was a tough time that way because you know having the gym closed, not traveling, not going to events. It was a year I wasn't living, you know, my best life. So it was a tough one that way. But I uh, decided to turn that around into something positive and launched my training site. It's uh, bazookatraining.com. For the last year of lockdown, I was like, I still want to teach. I still want to have, you know, uh, students passing on my curriculum. So we, uh, my videographer and I, so you'll see the top quality right away. We created the site. So we want everyone to be able to continue to train martial arts at home. Best thing to do to stay healthy is to stay fit. So let's do it with bazooka kickboxing. So bazookatraining.com, you get home workouts, bag workouts, tutorials. We have a forum uh, section for answers. And I'm just going to keep adding and building more. So sign up. And we got 50% off for the first month, which is nice, bazooka50. And, uh, yeah, only 10 bucks a month. So it's fun. Stay learning and have some fun. Yeah, Bazooka50 code exclusive to listeners of the TSN MMA show. But if you want to tell other people That's about it, it, feel free. Sure. Get on. Get everybody <laughs> on. Get everybody on. It's a good start. I'm telling you. A lot of good passion in martial artists. A lot of good learning. It's about, you know, sometimes, I mean, it's it sounds, you know, different. But what really makes a martial arts community is the people. So getting together and asking questions and that's kind of what I want to build here, you know, a nice online community to help each other out. And gyms are closed, man. It sucks. What do we do? So to be connected with other martial artists and a gym, you don't have to be a fighter. You know, this website's for beginners all the way to pro fighters. So just to be part of that community could be a positive thing for you right now. So jump on. And the last 14 months, and it seems crazy to say 14 months now because that's a long time. But the last 14 months, a lot of businesses have had to adapt to uh, the different guidelines yeah. that are thrown at them, right? So um, you're seeing a lot of curbside. I know a lot of the uh, the breweries here in Toronto will deliver beer same day if you like. If you order, they'll they'll drop them off same yeah. day. A lot of record stores. I you know I collect records, and a lot of them have uh, launched uh, online stores. You know you have to kind of adapt to the times, and I think it's also allowed people to be a little bit more forward thinking in their business because even when the gym reopens, you're still going to be able to have this and service uh, worldwide. Uh, base of students, I guess, so to speak, using yeah. this service, right? So you're going to actually extend your business and extend the reach of your business as a result. I think that a lot of businesses have, even though it's a, you know, they've been put in a really tough spot uh, because of uh, the, the pandemic, a lot of them have found an opportunity to adjust their business to, um, you know, servicing, I guess, new avenues, which I think has been uh, very helpful for them going forward in the future. Obviously, the situation in general is not good. It's uh, been very hard on businesses, but it's given businesses, I think, a chance to really innovate, which I, I, uh, I think is uh, a bonus for entrepreneurs going forward if they can get through this really rough patch. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a planner. I've always had a goal set. Um, you know, I know my path. So uh, this was supposed to happen five years from now. The online training, the online uh, platform was supposed to happen post uh, commentary, right? You got to think before COVID times, I, I was calling around 12 to 14, you know, glory fights internationally. So at once a month to every other month, mm-hmm. I was in a new country calling different fights. So the priority was building as a commentator, building my online presence, building myself as a TV analyst. So I've had to also change in that path. I haven't been able to practice my reps, you know, doing in-ring interviews, calling fights. So I've had to kind of adjust. And I mean, I love to teach. So, I mean, just the path has switched a little bit. I'm still hoping commentary and kickboxing and all of that world continues to launch when this goes away, which it looks like it will. So, um, but this was just a project that had to start earlier. So adapt and learn. You get knocked down there and you get up again and you still start swinging, right? Yeah. It's like, uh, like the Mark the Bond fight. Get up and get up That's and keep it. at it. Get up. And win that belt. Yeah, it's that. That's it. It's that that rocky line, I say, right? It's that rocky sun line. 
you know, nothing hits harder than life. Mm -hmm. So you got to adapt. And it's true. And it's honestly really true. I mean, this is really where, I mean, I look, I think of a lot of the other situations. Like I have my nephews, you know, not maybe getting to go to a prom. Like he might not experience like what a prom is, what a frosh week is anymore. You know, those are all like life things that you're missing out on. So it's really tough. Like, I mean, my fighter, Matty Spech, being in Ontario, there's no fights. Like, what do we do? You spent 14 months, you know, hitting the peak and the pinnacle of mixed martial arts in your province and you can't do anything. You can't perform. You can't earn a living. You've given up your side job to kind of compete full time. So the whole world's impacted. So, you know, this is where I always say the martial arts mentality really comes through when uh, you're down in life. So it's a tough one, but we're getting out of it. All right. Give, give us the website again. BazookaTraining.com. There you go. So if you're, if you're interested you in go. some home training and uh, learning tips from uh, one of the, uh, the greatest kickboxers yep. to grace this great earth, Bazooka Joe Valtini. Bazooka. I like it. Yeah, there you go. I'm going to do a nice com. promo. Yeah. Get, you'll do a nice promo for me. Yeah. You got that voice. Exactly. You need that radio voice. I, I don't really have a, a good radio voice, but I can I can pretend to have a radio voice and do it. I think you do. All right. You don't think you have? I don't have one. Better your radio voice is better than mine. Coming up later in the hour, we will take calls in the seventh color through. We'll get a yeah. promo code for fifty percent off bazookatraining.com. Bazooka fifty. Go. Oh no, I just gave it away to all of our listeners, and uh, now I will tender my resignation. Mm-hmm. Uh, well. Be a little Mauro Ronaldo then your voice there. Well, I worked with Mauro. Mauro sounds like off air the same as he sounds on air, which is pretty impressive. If if you oh, uh, yeah. if you've ever been around Mauro, that's what he sounds like. It's it's not it's not a put on. Yeah. Uh, and I think the best in the world are that. So that's how you become the best. You are that person. You are that voice. But I can't change my voice to that radio voice now because people will know that I'm a, a total phony because I've been I've had this voice for for uh, as long as, I, as I've been uh, doing this job. But uh, why don't we move on to what I do in this job, which is mixed martial arts. Uh, we've uh, spent seven minutes talking about uh, your projects, about your birthday. So we're, we're going to move on from Bazooka Joe to uh, mixed martial arts. And uh, this weekend's card, you got the karate hottie Michelle Watterson against Marina Rodriguez in the um, main event, which is uh, a short-notice fight at uh, flyweight. And an interesting fight as well. You know, if, if this fight was at 115 pounds, I think that you you might give the advantage to Michelle Watterson. In a five-round fight at flyweight, I think I think you might have to give the advantage to Rodriguez. But I think it's a good fight. I think that, that it's uh, it's not a slam dunk for Rodriguez, who I think is about a two-to-one favorite in this spot. Uh, short-notice fight and then a short-notice co-main event with Cowboy Cerrone taking on Alex Morono. And the, the kind of cool thing about that is that Michelle Watterson got into mixed martial arts because of Cowboy Cerrone. She was a ring girl at an event. She wow. went to the promoter after the event and said, listen, my background's in like karate and wushu. I would love to do this. She like, wasn't even really familiar with MMA. And the promoter kind of laughed at her. And Cowboy was on that card, overheard the conversation, went to Hooters where Michelle Watterson worked, and left a note Jeez. for her saying, if you really want to train, come, come to this location. And brought her in and she like, started sparring and started training. And the, so thanks to Cowboy, she was able to become what she is now, a, you know, a, a UFC fighter. So uh, kind yeah. of cool uh, how that's all coming full circle. Yeah, and it, it's cool. Like, I, I actually been watching and follow uh, Cerrone's YouTube channel. He's such a, a unique character outside of the, the, the cage and, you know, just the way he builds a community around him. Like, they were just showing a day in the life. Like, he has a food truck, just ordered a restaurant. Uh, so he's building a restaurant on his ranch. He went turkey hunting. You know, he's it's just I think he's just an amazing guy in the sport. He's unique. He he built fighting around a lifestyle. And I mean, when you look at my life, for example, and in my team, it's like everything is fighting, but he still found enjoyment in life mixed in fighting. So, I mean, I think it's just the way he does it is unique and it's just awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like a wolf den. Like it's just a bunch of, you know, kind of wolves all sitting together and doing the same kind of stuff on the ranch, which is yeah. it's a cool He's got his family there. They're hunting. They're shooting guns. They're riding tractors. They're hunting. Like he's a businessman as well, but he's training hard in his ranch. So I think it's, it's cool. Really what he set up, it's, it's actually inspiring. Like I one day want a bazooka ranch because of Donald Taroni now. So, I mean, I think it's really nice what he did. But and back to Watterson. I think what Watterson is doing, like I follow her on social media and I just, again, someone who you really want to fall behind being a mother the way she is crazy badass in the cage as well so she deserves that spot she's got the look she's got the the fighting experience 
it's it's a it's a it's actually a really good card that's not really presenting itself the more i look into it the better it is yeah there's a lot to like from top to bottom um and i think it starts kind of starts that main event because i think the main event is a a really unique one um with rodriguez and uh waterson fighting actually at flyweight but um i i also think that um rodriguez you know could be a real player in this division if she gets a win i mean she had that win over uh amanda hibas who's also on the card and that really kind of helped put her on the map but then um you know, if Watterson wins, I think that she is, is in the mix as well. And the, the reason why is because, and I said this in the interview that I did with uh, Michelle, which is available now, or at least it should be available uh, today on the uh, TSN MMA show interview edition, uh, where I, I mentioned that right now, if you look at the strawweight division, it's becoming kind of similar to the, to the old bantamweight division, men's bantamweight division, where you had uh, Faber, Cruz, uh, Dillashaw, and Cody. Those were the only people that fought for the belt for like two and a half years. And now you look at the women's strawweight division, and you've got uh, Rose, Weili, Joanna, and um, and who's the who's the fourth? There's a fourth in, in the mix that I'm forgetting. There's uh, Carla. No, oh, and, and Andrage. Sorry, Andrage is who I was thinking of, who's Andrage. now moved to flyweight. But those are like the only four people that have competed for the belt in like the last couple of years, right? So it's it's becoming a really tough um, nut to crack if you want to get to the top of that division. But I think you know if Michelle Waterson can win this one. And then get and, and do so in impressive fashion. And then get another one. She could she could get a title shot. You just never know because I think they're they're hungry for new challengers in that division. Yeah, and I mean, it's, I think it was just with uh, Watterson. It's the consistency, right? Wouldn't she? Doesn't she have one good performance and the next one she kind of loses a close one? But um, I just think her consistency. What I find, um, if she can string like you said, those two, she can easily be there. And just being ranked ninth right now. It's, I mean, you're right. Two fights, she's there. Well, I think she had won three in a row. Um, against It was against Courtney Casey, Felice Herrig, uh, Carolina Kovalkiewicz. Uh, and then um, she ended up... She uh, lost one. She lost two in a row. She lost to Joanna and Esparza. And then she came back and uh, beat Angela Hill in her last fight. I'm just trying to look at... And that was a close one, right? I think a lot of people thought Angela won that fight, if I was correct. Yeah, I remember being close. a very close it, it was fight. Close. I, I, I thought Waterson won the fight. I thought she won a 3-2, but it was a very close fight. Um, but uh, looking back, the last time that Michelle Waterson was a favorite was against Rose back in 2017. That was the last time she was a favorite. Jeez, so yeah. It's been almost four years since she's been a favorite. She was an underdog against Tisha Torres, who she lost to. And then there's three uh, fighters that I mentioned that she won uh, in a row. She won to beat Courtney Casey, Fleece Herrig. And Carolina all in a row. And then she was an underdog against Joanna and Esparza. Lost those ones. Underdog against Hill. Wins that one. So she's uh, used to being the underdog. Yeah, and she's, look, the names you mentioned, they're all at the top of the division. So, I mean, she, she wouldn't be outclassed against you know, any of the ones at the top one, two. Right. And then you look at Rodriguez. And she's had pretty good competition in her last couple of fights, too. I mentioned the win over uh, Hebus. That was the, where she was the biggest uh, underdog of her career. Plus 300. Ended up winning that fight. Uh, and then um, the she lost to Esparza, and I believe she had a draw with Calvillo. Am I right on that? Or she had a draw with Random Marcos. Did she lose to Calvillo? I can't remember what happened in that fight. But yeah, Calvillo's a, obviously a good fighter. Tisha Torres, very good fighter. So she's fought some uh, some tough competition on her way up as well. well important for her. Her last one was Hebas, right? Esparza. Yeah. Calvillo was, uh, I think, uh, draw. They have it as a draw here. Yeah, it was a draw. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, some interesting uh, times right now in the women's strawweight division. And then you've also got the uh, the fight earlier on the card with Angela Hill and Amanda Hebus, which I think um, will be an important one for this division going forward as well. Uh, one of them is going to leave with some momentum. I think that Hebus needs to get a win, needs to get that one back. But, uh, you know, Hill coming off a win against Ashley Yoder. And uh, I spoke to Hill yesterday, and she seems very focused. So, We'll have to see how that all plays out, but uh, it's exciting, exciting times right now uh, in that division. Uh, and you got the the co-main event, Cerrone against Alex Morono, being added on short notice. Uh, and the reason why that fight is happening is because of the Diego Sanchez saga that has occurred in the last little while uh, with his coach uh, Joshua Fabia, uh, who they've been releasing these videos of stuff that's happening behind the scenes. But the thing is, Joe, have you watched these videos? Have you watched the videos of them in the uh, broadcaster room and uh, the, the phone conversation with Hunter Campbell and all that? I've seen a few of them. Like it started with me was when they were at the airport and they left Diego Sanchez behind. 
yeah. or something like that. And the UFC left him. So it started with that. And then I saw the one where Megan O'Leary was kind of like fighting back against them. It's like, so those are the As two that I really saw. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. Cause they came in very aggressive like that, but those are the two I saw. So you can probably fill in more what was being said. Well, and then there was the video of them on the phone with Hunter Campbell, where they were looking, asking for Diego's medical records, and he was like, "Well, listen, you got to go to the commissions. But if you if you, there's an issue with him medically, we we can't we probably can't clear him to fight. Like we, you know, we, we don't want something bad to happen to him. And they're releasing these videos as if they're gonna look good, like as if Diego and this and this coach are gonna look good, but they look terrible coming out of it. Like at least if you're gonna try to garner public support, like this guy runs the school of self awareness. He might be the least self aware person on the planet. Like it's yeah." <laughs> I don't understand, you know, how you can get people to drink this Kool-Aid, run the school of self-awareness and have such little self-awareness to think that when you're going to release videos that paint you in a negative light, that they're going to paint you in a positive light. It's like if, well, it's like guess... Joe, if you went to, into, into a store and you had like Danny, your video guy was recording you arguing with the, the guy at Baskin Robbins because he got your flavor wrong and you posted it on Instagram because you thought it would make you look good for standing up to Baskin Robbins when it's like some teenager behind the, 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 uh, the desk. I mean, yeah, that, that's, yeah. that's having low self-awareness, is it not? Yeah, I just don't understand what he's really trying to accomplish. I mean, I understand that maybe if you haven't been raised in the martial arts world, you, re you will realize being a fighter outside of being Conor McGregor and stuff like that, it isn't as glorious as people think it is. You know, you don't get chariots picking you up from airports. You don't get, you know, private jets. It, it's not like that. I mean... It's it's a little bit different. So maybe he had a different understanding of how he thought fighters were treated at the highest level and the royalty. And so I understand maybe that's where he was like, well, you're a royalty, you're UFC Hall of Fame. You should be treated with private jets. And for like, I think he's I understand what he's fighting for, but I think he's going about it totally wrong. Definitely wrong. Not I don't think he is going against it really wrong, accusing people, trying to get the attention. But I do agree with him saying that guys like Diego and those things, they need to be treated a little bit more respectfully sometimes, but it's terrible the way he's going on it. It's, it's giving him a very bad look and is honestly now putting that negativity on Diego Sanchez, which I don't like. And I even just read an article where Diego's almost scared the UFC is just going to cut him out of things now. Well, no, he was saying that the UFC were going to track him down and kill him. That's basically what he's saying. Oh, I thought he meant like they're going to cut him out of promos, not talk about him. Well, I mean, those probably will do that. They, he's no yeah. longer on the UFC roster. They probably will do that. No, he was saying, yeah. he was saying that they were going to hunt him down, which oh. of course we have never seen any any evidence that would support that uh, that kind of claim. Uh, but uh, at the same time, I think the problem now is that he's untouchable. I mean, like if you're a promotion, are you going to sign him? Maybe Bare Knuckle would sign him, but outside of that, like. Bellator is not definitely not going to have any interest in him. One championship won't yeah. have any interest in him. Uh, like PFL is not going to sign him. You know, like because when you're signing him, now you're signing Josh Fabia. Like you're you're yeah. bringing this guy into your promotion. And uh, yeah. I, I think I, that you know I think that he's shown that he's very outspoken. But I also think that he's shown that ultimately he's not making very good choices uh, on behalf of his client. Yeah, not at all. I mean, I I think Diego should be done regardless. So I don't think. The motive should be I don't think other people should grab him. I think Diego's had a great career. And I just it's sad to see someone now leave that way when he's invested so much in a UFC career. And I mean, maybe he does agree what the guy's saying. I don't know. Like what's his I, I could be totally wrong. Is it the way they are treating Diego that he's upset against? Is that what he's fighting for? Well, I think that his this this coach has convinced him that they were painting him in a negative light on the broadcast. But it was because he wasn't winning the fight. Like they weren't like insulting the guy, but they were they were calling it like they saw it. He wasn't winning the fight. You know, like it, it is what it, you faced this as a broadcaster before, Joe, where you you have to call it like you see it, and people take it personally. Yeah, but I mean, okay, the broadcasters were they? My understanding is they were almost like this coach. He needs a real coach. They were saying that he needed well, that, a real and that, coach, and they're not wrong. They're not wrong. Yeah, but in his mind, he is. So I can see how it's insulting. You know, like. I would be upset, but I maybe wouldn't approach it that way, you know. Oh, yeah, what is, I, don't, I, don't I don't know. It's, it's I don't know. I he, I he's going against it wrong, but it is like if the narrative was going into the fight that Diego Sanchez, his coach is terrible, his ego got hurt. This is what the big story is. Yep. His ego's hurt, mm -hmm. and and that can happen. And, now and it happens a lot in fighting. So his well, ego's you know, it's, hurt. It's funny, I spoke to Angela Hill yesterday, and she was in the room for that because she was, uh, I guess, at the desk. 
um, at the time. But I asked her at the end of the interview, I said, like, do you, does it surprise you that a fighter could fall into, um, you know, this kind of position where they're with a guy that's really not that qualified and has, you know, is, is making bad decisions on their behalf? And she said, no, I'm not surprised at all. She goes, fighters are very vulnerable people. And she goes, yeah. it sounds like Diego's wife left him. He was lost, and this guy was there for him. Like, this guy was there, too. And, you know, his gym kind of turned their back on him, it seemed. And he, like, found solace in this guy who then was able to kind of, I don't know if indoctrinate is the right word, but, you know, was able to get him to buy into the school of self-awareness and uh, and was was helping him through his life at that time, right? And that that's important to people. So it kind of gave me a little bit of a new perspective where – um, you know, Diego at that point in his life might have just been very vulnerable and uh, needed somebody to, who had his back, and that's what this guy was there for him. And, and Diego is, seems like a very loyal person, and uh, mm-hmm. you know he's not going to turn his back on this guy, right? So I think that it, we, we kind of do need to think of it in that regard as well. We can't just you know uh, you know m- jump to conclusions about w- what the deal is with this. But, you know, also at the same time, Angela said she was in the room. She said it was the first time she'd ever attended one of those meetings as a broadcaster. And she said, maybe this is just how it always is. In her mind, she was like, maybe people <laughs> are always like this in, in these meetings. She had no idea that this was like a, you know, not a normal occurrence. Yeah, I've, I've definitely had it before, but I, I wouldn't say maybe at the level that this guy is bringing it on. But, like, I've had coaches come in and, and just kind of, and fighters come in very angry about the way their fight was called last time. So, I mean, it happens, but, like, I just think he's hurt, his ego's hurt. But the issue for me is it's now becoming an issue that he had is now becoming Diego Sanchez's issue, which now means he's getting the negativity, which I don't think is fair. Unless he really believes in it. Maybe he's, you know, that's his best friend. That's his brother. And he's like, I don't like the UFC saying that, you know, my career is a joke, my my training camps are jokes, so he's probably pissed off too. And the guys behind him are probably feeding him a little bit extra, so that little, you know, negative issue snowballed into something well, huge. Here's, so. here's the thing, Joe, and I need I need you to help me with this because I, I'm not a professional fighter. I, I don't, I'm not around professional fighters in the same way as you are. Why do you think professional fighters are so sensitive? And the reason why I ask that is because if you want to prove that your coach is good, go and win! Go go into the go into the octagon and prove that your coach is a good coach by winning the fight. That's mm. all you got to do. Yeah. You have the ability to silence all the haters. You have the ability to walk in there and when when people say things about you that are negative or say you, you you're not good at throwing kicks or you, you know oh you need to improve your defense. Show that you've improved your defense. Show that you've improved your yeah. kicks. Like if you spend if you spend more time worrying about how you can fix the problems rather than people commenting on the problems, you'll be in a better spot. But but. You know, I, I can't say this as somebody who sits here and does a podcast and does broadcasting and, and all this. I don't know the mentality. So why do you think yeah. it is that, that fighters don't approach it that way? And maybe some do. I mean, I mean, Cub Swanson seems to be a fighter who has, a, you know, um, uh, a really like a really strong self-awareness. And I said that to him on the, you know, on my interview with him last week. It seems like he, you know, doesn't take any anything personally. He kind of rolls off his back and he just takes it and channels it into into something positive. And and uh, yeah. Charles Jordan, from talking to him recently, it seems like he's done the same thing. He's up listening to what, what people have to say about him, and he only cares about what he what he has to say about him. He knows the truth. He knows what what he does. But it seems like a lot of people get really upset by outsiders commenting on on what they're doing. Yeah, I just think it's the nature of the sport. Being a fighter, being a warrior being the athlete the mma fighter it's more than like you enter it with more than just oh i'm winning or losing it's more than a sport you really have to take it personal you really have to be invested i mean i've talked about it here like some of my mindset going into a fight wasn't i gotta win i was like i gotta kill him i gotta i gotta break his legs i gotta i want to knock him out i want to put him to sleep like i i've thought about knocking someone out and hoping they never wake up again like i'm the nicest person you've met but i'm I'm in that mindset i'm in a vulnerable position and i know there's millions of people watching for me to lose or to get knocked out so i think you just become very sensitive because the person also saying that isn't in or the person doesn't understand so like i can go in and say well you don't understand what it means to be in there like move your head yeah move your head what do you mean like I mean, move that. Yeah, it's easy to say, but you go in there and move your damn head now. Like, you know, so I think it's just that vulnerable position you are in fighting where people are watching. It's violence and you have to change your mindset that it becomes very 
tough to accept it. I mean, I've even heard it before with like road rage. Like if you're driving a car, right? Like you can be the nicest person, but have road rage because like even that quick moment where someone cuts you off like that, the fight or flight, you know, response will be activated. And at that point, like you don't know how to react with that heightened sense, the, the increase in your heart rate, like you have to fight or flight at that point. So I think it just creates a lot of emotions that way where it's very tough to control. But I mean, I was probably more of the guy, a little bit more sensitive. But when I turned into the broadcast side of things, I realized what the bigger picture actually is. There needs to be a story. There needs to be a narrative. There, It is a sport. Like, And I understand the promotion itself. Like, the, As much as you care about the athletes, the UFC cares about Diego Sanchez, guess what? And a week later, there's another fight. There's another main event. And then the week after, there's someone else. So you're almost like this little pawn in a little picture. So when I moved over to the broadcast side, it was almost a, a feeling of I'm not that pawn anymore. And it kind of felt good, you know, in a weird way. So, I mean, it's just – it's tough. It's tough being in a vulnerable position and having people who don't know – the sport don't know what it feels like to be in that position to tell you that it's not good. But the guys who are telling them are good guys. So, I mean, you, you never win. You never win. Yeah. You I, never win. I mean, like, yeah, I can see it from that perspective. And I mean, I, you're also laying yourself bare. You're going out there and you're risking your life, basically. You're going out there and you're, mm-hmm. and, you know, if you make one little mistake or you have a bad day that day, you know, like everybody will, will, uh, put it under a microscope and, and analyze it and, yeah. you're right they probably don't know what they're talking about they don't know what your training camp was like you're training for like weeks and weeks and weeks for like five minutes sometimes or even less yeah. you know like it's 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 just weird that that's what the sport is you know at least like when you're playing basketball yeah. or baseball it's like it's a three hour game or two and a half hour game like if something goes wrong you, yeah. can, you can come back in the, in the second quarter and score more points right like it's and try it's, yeah. yeah it's it's you know it's easier and then also if if you if you lose 130 to 60 one night in two days you can you can make up for it you can win play again play yeah. again you have another chance and there's no adventure. risk and there's no risk there's no risk there's I mean, no risk you risk you, you risk the playoffs you risk brain damage yeah. right yeah we're talking about health yeah. right so I think yeah. that that's one thing that is kind of overlooked when you talk about this being a sport, right? Like it's it's so different from every other sport because, like you said, there's an event the next week, but you are not fighting on that event the next week. You're fighting in four months, so if you lose, yeah. you have to, you know, eat that for four months. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's... and all everyone thinks about is you in that lost yeah. position. It's like it's tough. Well, look at Amanda Hibas. She's a perfect example because going into her fight against Marina Rodriguez, she was a minus 330 or something favorite, like a big favorite. And she's this next prospect. She's going to be a champion one day. She's, she, you know, she is, uh, you know, she's the next big thing in, in the division. And now she's like, she's the first fight on the main card. And she's, you know, nobody's talking about her being a champion one day. Well, it is. Yeah. She got caught in the second round, you know, like it's, it's, That's it. It's you know, and maybe it's a bad stylistic matchup. There's bad stylistic matchups everywhere. Maybe she can beat 99% of the division, right? But the mindset is like because you're pushing a narrative and you're pushing, you know, it's a promotion first and foremost, and you have to push narratives. And you have to, you have to, you know, you have to bet on the on the right horse if you're a promotion. As weird as that is to say, like, you know, fighters are not treated equally. They never are. It's mm. it's and yeah. anybody who says otherwise is just fooling themselves. The promotion bets on who they think has the chance of being a marketable b yeah um a champion and c a contender right like they need to bet on the right fighters and if they make a mistake and they put someone in the main event who ends up letting them down or ends up losing that per- it could take a year or two for that person to get back to where they need to be to get back into that standing with the promotion right so it you know and i think that he is a good example of that because again next big thing possible champion looks great great on the ground good stand up and then one loss, and people just forget about her. Yeah, so that's the nature of the game. Uh, yeah. yeah, but the the big difference is like when was her fight with with Rodriguez three four months ago? Whereas, like I mentioned, the other sports you have the next week. You, you know, you you, yeah. you got the next day. Sometimes baseball, it's yeah. like there's like six games a week if you're a baseball player, right? Like you have maybe sometimes it's seven days a week, right? Like you have the opportunity to make good on a bad performance. But like in MMA, you have, it lingers. Yeah. And you don't have, like, I mean, look how impressive it is when you look back at like uh, Habib's record now. Like that's not having a bad night. 
you know like everybody has a bad night it's very rare to see a fighter that has you know and leaves undefeated that's why it's so impressive because like the difference of style one bad night you only have basically 10 times in your whole career 15 times to perform like over 10 years the average fighter has maybe 15 fights so you can only perform 15 times in that many years and you're it's lucky almost if like you get to do all of them in the UFC yeah, I think about it as this. One of the biggest examples of this, I think, is the 100 meter uh, in the Olympics. Yeah, right. What if you waited four years and you jumped the gun? Yeah, yeah. You happen. wait four years, you jump the gun, you get eliminated from the match. Now what? You got to wait four years to yeah, have your the, opportunity with the Olympics, to run sure. again? Yeah. So that's cr- like that to and me I mean, is you the win biggest stress of all in time. That, you know, in the time between the Olympics, but people aren't watching. You know, it's not like no. it's not the, as that big as one stage. race. Yeah. You jump the gun, you're a little anxious, you jump the gun, four years. That could be your only chance to ever make it. You yeah. jump the gun and that's it. Yeah, like Cormier is a good example because he missed weight for the Olympics. Remember, his, his body shut down on him. And he wasn't able to compete at the Olympics. You know, and so he, you had to he, miss he, the one year? Yeah, and he'd been training for four years to get there. Like that's That must be the most devastating feeling. The amount of devastation that Daniel Cormier has gone through in his life is unbelievable. Like it's yeah. it, like the amount of hurdles. This like Looking at him now, he's one of the top broadcasters in the UFC. Everybody loves this guy. But I don't think people understand how much pain this guy has gone through in his life. His daughter was killed in a car in a truck accident when he was when she was two. Like you know, like all of these different things that he's had to overcome in his life with his with the Olympics um, and and what happened there. Uh, his uh, his father getting killed. You know, like all of these different things that he's had to overcome in his life. It's really remarkable that he was able to. And he started his UFC career. I think he was what 31 when he had his first pro MMA fight became a two division yeah. champion like what this guy's been able to accomplish is is just unbelievable when you know people look at him now as like kind of the funny commentator but there's a lot of layers behind all of this stuff right like yeah. it's pretty amazing what you know being you know what the human spirit can accomplish yeah i i think now recently good examples of that would be even chris weidman i mean i i mean just look what he's he announced today i went on his social media just to kind of see how he's doing because i need like for me that's someone i need to check in on now even though i don't know him personally like i just feel now that i need to know how the recovery is going and he's been very open about posting it but he just said on his thing he had, he's had 24 surgeries mm-hmm. yeah you know like th- like and that's how old insane. is he like 35 36 yeah that's it and he's had basically more surgeries than he has fight three neck surgeries hip surgeries knee surgeries three forehand surgeries i mean they're even talking about his bone graft possibly not taking and them having to amputate his legs. So, I mean, Jesus. it's insane. It, it's absolutely insane what these guys go through to perform at the time. So, I mean, I just hope that's respected a lot. And that's one of the toughest times because it's happened to me. You can live in that glory in the moment in, in defeat or in winning, you know, in victory. But it's the time when you get home, man. It's like it's the toughest time. Go home after a loss with some head injuries, banged up shins, can't walk. And that's one of the toughest things to do. So I think one of the hardest things in the world to do is to be defeated, to get beat up, to get knocked out at the highest level, and then have to come back, train your mind, and then win again is one of the toughest things you have to do. So, I mean, we all need to be a little bit more respectful, but it is the nature of the sport. I watch the NFL and I yell at these big linebackers being like, come on, man, why don't you make that tackle? You know, like I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. You know, like I'm, I watch soccer games and I'm like, how did you miss that open net? I would have even done that. You know, like we don't value when you watch it on TV. So I just think respecting people in general and especially athletes is, uh, well, is important. It's, it's only gonna I got to be better. It's only going to get worse because sports, sports gambling legislation, sports betting rather, legislation coming through and sports betting, single game betting is going to start being legal. You see DraftKings, Daily Fantasy, FanDuel, like all of that. And I think that these are things that are good for the economy and they're, they're good. They create a lot of jobs. And I think that people enjoy doing it and it's good recreational. But what it does to the athletes, I think, is a little bit toxic because you start to commodify these athletes. You look at football. You look at the yeah. NFL. Larry Johnson, the running back, was like number one, number two pick in fantasy drafts every year. Uh, same with Sean Alexander. Like for for two three years, these were the guys you're picking number one, number two, number three. These are the guys that are on your fantasy team. They get injured, you start to just dislike them, and then their careers are over, and you don't think about them ever again. That, that you commodify them for that amount of time. In yep. in fighting, same thing. You bet on them. You know, this is the guy. He's gonna win. They lose. Ah, oh, that guy. That guy's a trash fighter. Blah blah blah. You know, it it gives people these really visceral reactions when somebody loses 
where you're 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 taking the humanity out of it. They become a commodity rather than a human being. And mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that that is something that is very toxic for. It's something that athletes, I think, need to overcome. And I think that it's something that athletes need to really become more conditioned towards overcoming, because, um, and whether it's talking with a coach or a sports psychologist, you, when you are an athlete, you are basically a commodity during that amount of time. And I think that that is something that's very difficult for an athlete to accept. And that once their career is over, they they lose that value in their mind. Like they they stop, you know, they they stop viewing themselves as an athlete. They stop viewing themselves as a human. They don't know they're lost. They don't know what to do yeah. because you've been known as this commodity for the public for this amount of time. And they'll chew yeah. you up and they'll spit you out. And then you got to yeah. figure out what you're going to do next. And uh, but the problem is, it's what grows the sport at the same time. Right? You need the gambling to grow it. Yeah, it's no, why the NFL sure. is so big. And I'm not against it. I'm not against sports betting. Yeah. But I just think that it's, it's something that athletes need to become uh, acclimatized to, that they're going to be treated like commodities for a lot of their career. And they have to, and the sooner that they accept that, the sooner that they're going to be able to overcome that. And it's going to be a difficult thing to overcome. It's not easy. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, and one thing is, you know, you look at the athletes that are able to transition to broadcasting careers like yourself, like they're, they're few and far between, right? Like you need to have a good exit strategy. You need to be able to put money into things that are going to get you through. Like I spoke to Kyle Dawkins this, this, this past week and, uh, him and his girlfriend just bought a house together. And he says, you know, if he, if he wins a bonus, he's going to put that into the mortgage, right? Like that's the way you got to be thinking, right? Like you gotta be, if you, if you want to have a successful career, whether or not you become champion. That's basically trying to set yourself up for the future during your career is as important as not necessarily as important to someone as winning the championship. But that's an important part of someone's career is using their career to set themselves up for having an easier life after they're done. Because the kind of injuries you're going to endure, you never know how many surgeries you're going to have to have. Like you mentioned with Weidman, like all these things need to be taken into account when you're looking forward. Yeah. But with the gambling, I think it is positive. And you're right. It's more of the fighters getting used to it. Because right away, like when you think about it, even when Malcolm was last fight, like he was like, a, a, I think uh, Suderji uh, was like a minus 400. Yeah. yeah. And we're like, oh, and we're like, everyone thinks he's going to lose. Everyone's like, so it, it, it even impacted me as a coach. I was like, what are people seeing? Why? Why is he such a favorite? I don't see what am I not seeing something. So like and then the question, the first question Brett Akamoto asks you know, Malcolm is, you know, you're, you're a, a minus 400 underdog, you know, you're like, so it's like, I'm like, Oh, everyone minus four to one. Like, so it starts getting in your head. People think you're losing, yeah. but that's part of the game. It grows the sport. But what I like that they're doing now is like every event. Now you'll see these betting sites now paying the fighters, you know, sponsoring them being like, we saw George St. Pierre in them. So like, mm -hmm. that's kind of the way they can give back to the fight community, go to these fighters. And, and you say here, you know, here's two, three grand, Give us your picks posted on social media. So it's a way I see Kelvin Cater. Everybody's posting these betting sites. So I think that's where it can kind of work yeah. in synergy I'm, together. I'm not saying that it has a negative effect on, on uh, the sport or on the way people consume sports. I think it's the opposite. Yeah. I think it's great. But I think that the yeah. problem is that it it makes the athletes more of a commodity than a human being. That's all I'm saying. It's, oh, like, yeah. Yeah. It makes the, it's like a stock, right? Like when you, when you think of, of buying a stock at the stock market, you're not thinking of the 3,000 people that work at that company. You know, and if the company fails, you're like, ah, oh, this guy, man, I've lost money. But like, yeah. there are so many more things that go into it, right? Like that, that happen in order for these things to, to operate, in order for the train to roll, right? So, but, but when you are invested in it, in just like a, a minuscule element of it, you, you, all that goes away in your mind. Right? So it's, it's, it's just interesting in that regard. So uh, I saw that Malcolm had another fight lined up, actually. Yeah, I saw that too. Uh, he's fighting uh, Figueroa's brother. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, Francisco, uh, I believe his name Francisco is Francisco Figueroa. Yeah, that'll that should be interesting. Uh, are you working? Yeah, with I him think on... it's good for him. Are you working with him in this game? Uh, no? no, I will not be working with him. No, okay. he's uh, he's going to be doing working uh, strictly. Honestly, it's uh, more of a grappling, going back to uh, his more of his roots that way. So he's gonna, and also that week I'm in. Uh, there's. Uh, it is announced, so I could announce it. I have to think of the time, but uh, there is going to be a glory July seventeenth in yeah, Amsterdam. Yeah, the dates. I think we have. Uh, yeah, so Badr Hari is going to be on that card. He's fighting uh, Vasoshik, which is one of the, a tough fighter we have, like good good low kicker. So I'm excited to see that. So I'll be in Amsterdam uh, before and after that. So nice. Yeah, you must yeah, be excited about getting back there. 
I am. I'm very excited. You don't understand to be. And I think in Amsterdam, there's there's talk about, uh, I believe, a, a live audience, three to five thousand people, which is going to be exciting. I mean, I need to feel that feeling again. It's been too long. I need that rush. You know, it's been uh, that rush is something like it's the fighter getting his fix in the ring. You know, I, I live for that. Those nerves of, you know, going live and. That's that's what yeah, my I, I excitement has I'm with you. I, I feel you. I feel you on that. It's been too long. Yeah. I was looking at like hotel deals this week. I'm like, uh, just just. I, I know I'm not going anytime soon, but I, yeah, I just want to look at it. I, let's get excited about something. Yeah. Well, I mean, with the vaccines rolling out, if you're fully vaccinated, would you? Are you going to think about going to events? I, it's, I mean, I, I think about it... going to events whenever, but it's just uh, I think that there's a lot of uh, things at play. Like I've got three kids. When are kids allowed to get vaccinated? Right? They just approved 12 to 15 yesterday. So when when can my kids? Really? Get, yeah. So when can my kids get a vaccine? Because that's important too. I've got a kid that has a pre-existing condition, right? So it's like there are lots of different so things many. that I got to think about uh, before. That's uh, more important than a live event. Yeah. Slightly more important. Slightly than more. Just, yeah. but, uh, just just a little bit. Yeah. But uh, you know, I, I think that. Uh, by the end of the year, there's going to be a little bit more clarity on what what the world's like. But I mean, who knows with all these variants coming out, and you know, are you going to need to come up with new vaccines for the new variants? Who knows? It's it's all it's a it's a daily uh, thing. So if you're gonna, if you ask me, do I want to travel? The answer is an emphatic yes. But am I going to travel by the end of the year? If I had to bet on it, I'd say probably not. But we'll see. Okay. Yeah. Now, now I, I'm the commodity. I, I'm betting on whether I'm going to be traveling or not. There you go. It's a minus what that you're going. It's even money. By the end of the even year? Money. Even money. I'd say that it's probably minus 140 that I don't uh, I don't travel this year. I don't travel to an mm. event in 2021. Okay. I think, the is, odds, uh, is the, I think the odds are against me. All right. Is the UFC open to continually giving out media passes and stuff like that, or are they more restrictive? I don't really know because I haven't had to think about it, right? Like, I, I don't know if, if you still need to stay at the uh, – the fighter hotel and uh that you still need to be within the bubble i have no idea i honestly i don't know because i'm not there yeah. well the the benefit of being at home and getting all this is we're getting more fights i find and i'm enjoying the pfl to be honest with you yeah, as well that's watching. something that's really attaching and tsn plays it right so no tsn better. plays oh. it it's, it's tonight we should uh, we should promote that uh because uh like you mentioned it is on tsn2 and it has uh, fabricio verdun versus henan feheha that's a fun one to say. Uh, Kayla Harrison yeah. against Mariana Marais. Uh, Brandon Sales against Mohamed Usman, the younger brother of Kamaru Usman, the heavyweight. Uh, yeah. And we're Patricia. sponsored by Perfect Sports. Shout out to Perfect Sports Nutrition. I had to give my sponsor plug there. There you go. Perfect Sports. Uh, Larissa Pacheco against uh, Julia pa- uh, Pajic. And uh, Caitlin Young back in action. Caitlin Young's been fighting for a long time, taking on Cindy Dandwa. That should be uh, interesting as well. So, uh, you know, a lot to like on this card. It's the uh, the... 155 pound women in the heavyweight, so it's the the heaviest divisions in uh, in the PFL in the yeah. respective genders. So there you go. And then on Friday you got uh, Juan Archuleta against Sergio Pettis. That's a, a great fight too. And you got Michael Page on the card. There's a lot to like the next couple of days. I'm very excited. I've got uh, I'll be watching tonight, watching tomorrow night, watching Saturday. Maybe I'll get some Twitter Spaces going. You want to join my Twitter Spaces, Joe? Yeah, you keep trying to get me on this Twitter Spaces thing. Yeah, it's open to everybody now. Actually, you can everybody can start a Twitter Spaces now. A Twitter Spaces. Well, I I have to be more active on Twitter. Yeah, you're never on Twitter. That's, I was gonna retweet you no. pro, you promoting your uh, bazookatraining.com, and I didn't see anything, so I had I wasn't able to retweet anything. Yeah, I didn't launch it on Twitter. I did all of Instagram and YouTube. Those are my big video platforms I'll put and stuff on Twitter. like that. I'll, I'll share it. We'll get some engagement going. Okay, because every time I post on Twitter, it's just I find like I don't know, it could be me and not being active, but like I mean, Twitter for me is more of a creative space where I put more of things that way. But, uh, yeah, I'll put it up. I'll oh, think it's of something. You're just getting more engagement. You're going to get more people, more eyes on it. Yeah, done. It is done. All but, right. yes, bazookatraining.com on all platforms. Uh, UFC 262 had a, a change. I don't know if we discussed this on our last show. Uh, Nate Diaz and Leon Edwards moved to the June pay-per-view. So uh, I don't know what's going on there. But the, uh, the co-main event now is uh, the Tony Ferguson-Benil Dariush fight. And uh, the headliner, of course, Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler. Uh, Oliver is still the favorite. I'm surprised. I thought that line would flip at some point. Yeah, there's some good, exciting fights coming up. I mean, I'm looking forward. Is it the the next pay per view? Is it the May 15th one? The, yeah, the next pay per view is uh, that's next weekend. 
So that's UFC 262. Yeah. Great fights on that. Barboza versus Burgos. Uh, yep, that's got, fine. I'm pumped. Yeah, Benil Darius Ferguson, Oliveira Chandler, Edmund Shabazian versus uh, Jack Hermanson. Very good fights. Very excited about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a stacked card for sure. Now, why don't we talk about this past weekend? You had uh, Yuri Prokashka looking like a real problem in the light heavyweight division. What he did to uh, Dominic Reyes was uh, uh, pretty impressive. Pretty, pretty impressive. I would say so. I mean, he moved up three spots in the ranking. Now number, what, two sitting there? Number two behind so, Glover, yeah. Beautiful position. I mean, awkward, you know, character, brings excitement. That's the type of fighter we want. And I think what everyone keeps talking about, and I kind of like the philosophy, was him coming into the UFC like an Izzy with a lot of experience. So he's coming in, thrown right into the mix, perfect division for him to kind of climb quickly. So uh, we've got some new excitement there. He's almost like that... uh, I almost think of him as the the Johnny Walker that came in with so much excitement. So I hope he stays, you know, nice and high and exciting. But I could easily see him being the champion. We'll see how good he is, uh, you know, on the ground. He was taken down by Reyes for a little bit, but got back up. So I think uh, he's just bringing excitement and a lot of eyes. And I think the division needed him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I see a lot of people diminishing Dominic Reyes after this past weekend. I thought Reyes fought well. Like, I thought he did he did all the things you would want Dominic Reyes to do in that fight. Just yeah, I just think he yeah. was a step ahead of him. Yeah, he Reyes, that left hand, he moved, you know, stayed long, shots. fought back, you know. Like, Dom, if there's anything, Dom Reyes is a warrior. Like, he's such a tough guy. He went in there and scrapped. Like, he kept fighting out of combos. Like, he would take four or five shots and just sit in the pocket and scrap back. But what Yuri did better was Dom is more your structure type of striker. Everything came in a straight line, your hooks, his kicks, where Yuri was more, he'd punch you on an up angle, punch you down on awkward angles. So they're very hard shots to see, and that's why he's so successful. But, I mean, Dom Reyes is tough. But what I think I saw there was more Yuri using more advanced martial arts principles where Dom is more of that athletic style. I think we saw a little bit more martial arts background in Yuri that got him the win. Yeah, and Yuri could become the first Czech champion in UFC history. Yeah, there I mean, are a few Czech good. fighters in the uh, UFC. Actually, one's fighting this weekend. Ludovic Klein, I believe, is from the Czech Republic. This guy's a guy to watch. You know, you always want me to tell you about guys to watch? Ludovic Klein. Yeah, been a big prospect for a long time. And uh, he's a pretty big favorite. This and he's weekend. on the undercard? Where is he at? I think he's on the undercard against Mike Trezano, Ultimate Fighter winner uh, Mike Trezano. But uh, I'm just going to make sure that Ludovic Klein isn't from, like, Slovakia or something and that I'm, I'm screwing it up. But we'll, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's Czech Republic. No, he's from Slovakia. I messed it up. My bad. Yeah. He's from Slovakia. But Czech, the, the Czechoslovakia was the Czech Republic and Slovakia. They split into two. So I, I messed that up. But either way. Um Good, Slo- good Slovak fighter in uh, Ludovic Klein, one to watch. He's uh, 17 go. and two. Had that big knockout win over Shane Young in the first round in his UFC debut uh, back in September, and now he's back in action. But he's a guy that, uh, if you follow, you know, MMA prospects, this is a guy that's been on the radar for a long time. Only 26 years old and 17 and two, pretty impressive. I want to see what, uh, since we're talking about betting odds, is he worth looking at as uh, one of your TSN picks? Uh, I haven't recorded my TSN picks, but you know what, Joe? Because I like you, I'll give you a sneak peek. Oh, Ma- Maurice okay. Green at plus 165 against Marcos Rogerio de Lima. I like that. Uh, You're taking Mo Green? Yeah, Maurice Green. Um, you think they'll finish him on the feet? Or what is it? What... Um, I don't I, I don't know. I think, he'll, I think he'll probably finish him on the feet. I just think he has a lot more ways to win that fight, and I, I'm surprised he's that big of an underdog. Um, All right, my, my boy Mo. I like Kyle Dawkins to win at minus 125. Okay, and um, I like. Is it, uh, is it I like Phil the... Haas supposed to fight someone else? Wasn't he planned to fight someone else? Yeah, the, Phil something Haas? got mixed up, and and so was so was uh, Dawkins. So they kind of got paired together. Because Phil Haas was supposed to fight someone, I was like, "Ooh, that's a great fight." Someone I knew. That's why I was like confused why he's not fighting him anymore. I, I think I don't know who it was supposed yeah, to. I don't for. remember. That's uh, okay. Diego Fajeja plus one fifty five. Okay, and my my dart of the week. Is Michelle Watterson by submission at plus eight hundred? Is my dart of the week? If you want to throw a dart. Because Mar- Marina is more of a, a Muay Thai based striker, right? More, of a Muay Thai more than a Jiu-Jitsu protection. Five right? rounds. I think if Watterson gets her to the ground, we could see something sneaky. But man, plus eight—it's a plus one thousand in some places. Yeah, dart. Throw a dart. 
All right. Open Why not? A couple bucks. Yeah, exactly. There you go. And what's what's your what's your gut feeling for the uh, Jeff Neal Magny fight? I think Magny, even like, I think Magny's that type of style, the body frame that he could he can be he could give Usman trouble, you know, to like right now. I just think it's tough, and to be a plus one sixty five. I mean, I think that could be something. Well, him and Magny are getting uh, rounds in in the gym, so if you know anybody in Denver, you can find out if he's getting the better of Usman. But uh, yeah, okay, I think Magny at plus one sixty five is a good price. I mean, he has a lot of ways to win that fight, but uh, I mean, Jeff Neal's a heck of a fighter too. That power, and I, yeah, I, I never power. like betting against Safe Sayud. Although I never really like betting against uh, <laughs> Team Elevation either, where Magny is. So you know. It's uh, two very good camps, two very good fighters in a very stacked division, right? So uh, that's kind of a, a, a – I'm going to sit back and watch that one and see how that one goes. There you go. Yeah, that's I, – I just like Jeff Neal too. So, I mean, power versus length, experience, it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, uh, yeah, those those would be my uh, my leans for, uh, for my uh, TSN edge picks. That Dawkins line keeps going down. I like that. So um, let's, uh, let's see how it goes. All right, I like it. Yeah, I'm excited about I that. I like it. Excited about that. And, uh, yeah, as I mentioned, Bellator on Friday. You got PFL on, the, I guess, tonight, Thursday. And then uh, yep. next week you got UFC 262. When's the next off week for the UFC? I'm trying to see. Mm-hmm. I don't know when that's going to be. I think it might be the last weekend in May or something like that. But uh, either way. Yeah, I got to check at uh, the first fight on the, the main card of PFL. I have a friend fighting, Jenna Fabian. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's, uh, yeah, she's a fighting really Laura good, Sanchez. Really good stand-up fighter. Yeah, she's uh, with City Kickboxing. She's with uh, those guys out there. Really good friends with Izzy. And uh, I've actually known trainer there. She's been uh, known her for years. What so is Jenna she Fabian. Uh, no, she did the Ppfl first season. This is her second time with Pfl. Are you sure? But no, that she wasn't no, on never. The... You sure she wasn't no. on the Ultimate Fighter? There was somebody with the last name Fabian on the Ultimate Fighter. No, Jenna not Jenna. Fabian. Cause she's uh, she's uh, I think she fights at 155. Yeah, she's a New Zealand kickboxer. Yeah, huh. I'm thinking of somebody else. Yeah, no, she's a city kickboxer. Yeah, very good. She's tall, good range, good striker. She she used to train many years with CSA Jim, Kieran uh, Fitzgibbons out there. Melinda Fabian yeah. was on the Ultimate Fighter. I got them confused. Still pretty good. It's still impressive. That I remembered that. Uh, you remember that you remembered a last name from, from an Ultimate Fighter. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, so we've been to Hungary, used... Czech Republic, Slovakia today. All yeah, pretty. Exactly. We're going to your going European geography. All the Baltic states. I think those are Baltic states. I don't know. Well, my grandfather was, was born in Hungary, so I know a little bit about Hungary. Okay. Speaking about Hungary, I'm getting there. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe we should just end the show then. How's that sound, Joe? <laughs> I'm getting pretty hungry. There all we right. go. All right, Joe. Well, uh, let's let's call it uh, let's call it for today. BazookaTraining.com. Enter code Bazooka fifty for fifty percent off That's your first it. month for uh, yeah. for Joe's. Uh, Training, uh, online training uh, service. I'm going to be uh, registering soon. Hey, what are you what are you getting for your mom for so, Mother's Day on Sunday? Are you getting her a bazooka kickboxing uh, account, or does she get a free? Uh, yeah, that's what I should do. I don't know. Maybe just give her a, a discount code. I don't know. There I can't give can't give I can't yeah. be giving out free memberships right now. I got to build the site first. Yeah, <laughs> maybe give mom maybe a nice little discount code, a special Mother's Day discount code for mom. Wonderful. That's it. Wonderful. Well, I hope you actually are doing Incredible, something yeah. uh, something beyond that, but. Uh, <laughs> Shout out to all the moms it's, out there. Happy Mother's that's Day. It. And uh, we'll be back next week to uh, preview UFC 262 and uh, so much more. Thanks, Joe. Boom. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.